Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. As always, I'm James Kane, joined by Ryan McGowan. How are you, Ryan? I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm as ready for Christmas now as possible. Um, are you? Wonderful. I am, yeah. Despite all the, the bad things going on in the world, we are ready for Christmas. I think we should start off by saying thank you for bearing with us and listening to this episode after what feels like forever since the last one. We've both <laughs> been quite busy. Yeah. But you'll be very glad to know that we are recording two episodes today, so there's two coming. There's one, this one, that's going out, God knows, and the following one will be going out on Boxing Day, so look forward to that. Yeah, that's that's a definitive one as well, so that's a little Christmas present for you. Boxing Day, you know that's coming. Yeah, that one's absolutely happening, and just while we're doing uh, disclaimers and things, um, I'm actually I'm at home now, I'm not with my usual setup, so I've got my same microphone and stuff, but I don't have my microphone stand, because I just couldn't be asked to bring it, it was a lot of hassle, so if there's a couple of like clinks and things every now and then, that's just my cable, and I do apologise, but I'm going to sit as still as I physically can, because I'm having to hold my mic. <laughs> I remember when you used to do that all the time. Literally every episode, but I just I was looking at the stand, I was like, I just can't be bothered to lug that 150 miles. That's fair. That's fair. So, so here we are. But it should all be fine. I'm just going to sit very still, holding it in the arm that's recently been jabbed. Yeah, uh, if you're not uh, got your boosters, if you're in the UK, if you're not already double vaccinated, get double vaccinated. If you're not got your booster yet, go get your booster if you can. I got mine today at the time of recording. Uh, it was just a walk-in centre, so I just went in. I'm really annoyed about that now, James, because I was a Pfizer boy. I've had two Pfizer jabs, and now they give me a Moderna today. They didn't even give me the option. Oh, really? Oh, I'm so annoyed. Oh, no. They didn't even give me the I'm option. I'm a triple Pfizer Mate, I wanted to be a triple Pfizer boy, but that's just not happened. I'm really upset. You're some sort of fucking hybrid now. 
Yeah, I know. I'm a pure breed. Pure breed Pfizer boy. Although they're not doing the AstraZeneca's anymore, are they? No, they sort of phased them out very quietly, didn't they? They did. <laughs> Swept they them did. under the rug. So yeah, James and I are fully protected from Omicron and all other forms of plague out there. So go Triple get yours. Jabbed. Go get yours. Right. So, what's this episode going to be? Thanks for asking. So, if this is your first ever time listening to us, I, I'm going to say it now. This is not the normal format of this podcast. That needs to be that needs to be said because if you don't like the format in which I'm going to do this, you're probably going to love the format of our hundred other episodes. <laughs> but in this episode, I decided because I've done a lot of academic writing lately for my for my masters. I thought, I'm going to do an episode that's really easy to write, not much research, it's going to be really chill. And at some point during that thought process, I decided that doing the entire history of the English monarchy would be would fit that criteria. It was only halfway through writing it, I realised that I had made a fucking huge mistake. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen the reaction I gave when I was told this, dear listeners. It, I laughed. I proper laughed. It's like, that's a, that's, a, that's a tall order. In my head, I was going to just write a few facts about every monarch and it would be really easy. But that's just not how it's turned out. So this is not the normal format, but I'm seeing this as... This is going to be a two-part, by the way. We're going to record the other one next week or the week after at some point. Um... This is going to be sort of our glossary for if ever we do English history, we can look back at this episode and we'll have a good understanding of where it fits in the history of the country. Ah, yes. Is this somewhat inspired by our desire to make a timeline of all our episodes? Oh, potentially. That, that's actually a really good idea. And because we've done this, it just fucks up that timeline completely. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> because we're just doing all of it. I'm just wondering what the fucking artwork I'm going to have to create now will look like. <laughs> Oh, mate, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. So because this is part one, um, I've gone from the the start of it all up until just before the Wars of the Roses, which I couldn't be bothered to write because, fuck me, that's a lot. So that's where this part ends. That's a good idea. And it's also the longest episode I've ever written. So if you're not involved in history and you don't like history, maybe look forward to the next one where we talk about a little girl being murdered back to back to the normal way. Yeah, next week is going back to normal. <laughs> next episode yeah it's, it's, it's back to the old stuff it's back to ryan doing some d- dodgy shit uh so, yeah it's very interesting as so well. who, who are we starting with right okay so who do we start with um some people say alfred the great some people like horrible histories for some reason will say william the conqueror but they're, they're wrong i've decided to go with athelstan who was technically the first king to unite england athelstan so athelstan Athelstan, however you want to pronounce it. I uh, he was a Saxon. I'm well versed in the uh, Amazon Prime series Vikings, and there is an Athelstan. Oh, I've never, I've never seen it. There's quite a few like raid, raid walls and Athelstans and stuff in in that series. That's all I only know. Right, that's okay. how I've pronounced it. <laughs> well, Athelstan, then we'll go with that. So he was a Saxon and grandson of Alfred the Great, who was the king of Wessex like other Saxon leaders before him, because before this, England wasn't unified. Uh, Wessex is sort of southwestern England. Uh, he protected England from the Vikings. Athelstan was the first king to unite all of England. He reigned from 925 AD to 939. How did he do this? Well, he fought off rebellions in Cornwall, as well as getting Wales to pay him tributes of silver, gold, and oxen, which I imagine just ox, cattle, that sort of mm. shit. He got Scotland on side, um, who eventually turned on him to side with the Danish. Throughout this, you'll realise that the Scots do that a lot. 
but Athelstan defeated them in the Battle of Brunnenburg, and from there claimed his place as the King of England. He sent off his sisters to marry uh, European royalty, including the Holy Roman Emperor, who is a big player through all of this, in order to make allegiances. During this time, he also had the Bible translated into English, as well as potentially starting the Freemasons, which I thought was pretty cool. He bought in a currency which would feature his face and sort of formed the economy. Um, he was a short-lived king, but he did a lot. So that's, that's King One done. This is the format we're going to do. If at any point I, we, we, I'm going through someone and we are just fucking blitzing through these and you think that sounds really interesting, drop us a message and we will do a full episode on that individual. Uh, I have a question. But for the purposes of this... Oh God! Okay, <laughs> I I I never like necessarily asking questions because I feel like I ask a question. If you don't know the answer, I don't I don't want to mug you off. Um, but it I probably don't. But ask away. Um. So Athelstan. So is he? Yeah. Wh- when? What? When is he? When? When is Athelstan? What year is this? We talking? Or nine twenty five. Nine twenty five. So who's Alfred? AD. Alfred the Great was his um, grandfather. And some people say Alfred the Great was the first king of England, but Alfred the Great was the king of Wessex. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah. He had a dream though of like uniting England, wasn't it? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. He. So that's why some people think of him as the first, but the first one to technically do it was Athelstan. Okay, because I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if you ever watched The Last Kingdom again at, at on Netflix, another VOD series. Uh, the Last Kingdom features Alfred the Great quite prominently uh and his entire like character arc is about uniting england as one uh kingdom um right and i think that's probably like yeah that's probably where we get this idea of him being a king of entire england so athelstan actually united pretty much all of england did it yeah he was the bloke that did it because then it doesn't happen afterwards surely because isn't like william the conqueror then a king of england like long long later yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He is indeed. Oh wait, but wait, no. Uh, sorry, I, I, I listen. This is why this is your episode, and I'm not to butt in. <laughs> William the Conqueror is not for another hundred years, hundred plus years. Oh Christ! Sorry, carry on. We've got Danish invasions to deal with first. Hell yeah! So, Edmund the first, half brother of Athelstan, took the throne after he died. And this is the point Vikings decided to uh, reclaim Northumbria and the Midlands, which Edmund then reclaimed back from them. Territories change hands a lot. Mm. He also struck up a deal with Malcolm I, King of Scotland, uh, that the Scots could have Strathclyde in exchange for military support. Uh, However, Edward was met a grisly end when an exiled robber made his way into the palace and killed him. So the kingship then passed to Edred, brother of Edmund, he um, also had beef with the Norse in Northumbria, but he would be the one to finally bring it completely under English rule. A man called Eric Bloodla- Bloodaxe, or Bloodaxe, mm. again, I got a fucking clue, uh, was pronounced king, and in return, Edred ravaged Northumbria. Northumbria conceded to him before pledging allegiance to, right, here we go, Olaf Citrixen, we'll go with that, another Norse king. Uh, Olaf was then overthrown for Eric again, who was soon killed and exiled, or exiled and then killed by Edred, who reclaimed the throne, and he was on the throne from 946 to 955. I think you're getting the idea of why this episode fucking pl- like pained me, because people don't live very long. No, no, so th- this part is going to be like real quick fire, this king, then that king, then this king, then that king. Yeah, 
in part two, which we'll record a little down the line, people live longer, so it'll be a lot easier for me to write. Yeah, yeah, and as well, like this is a warring period. This is like uh, Japan's shogun era, where like it's just warlords that claim the title of king, and they're not necessarily king for very long. Nor do they mm. really give a shit about being a king. They just take the title and all that comes with it, um, and then someone else wants it, and you only get it by killing the other person. Uh, you know, rather exactly that. Rather than it being necessarily God given and ordained, it's not so much. It's something you take, not something you're born with. Yeah, 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 for sure. It does. It does become that eventually. It sort of just bleeds into that. But yeah, it is the period where if you kill the right person, you can claim power. Yeah. So. Edwy took over in 955. He was the nephew of Edred. Uh, he had beef with his brother Edgar, who claimed Northumbria. So Edwy stopped being English king in 957, where he was only in charge of everything south of the River Thames. This happens again a little down the line, right. but the country basically gets split into two again. Um, his brother Edgar was king of Northumbria and the Mercians from 957. However, once Edwy died in 959, Edgar then reclaimed the throne of the entirety of England until 975. Imagine that going to a fucking war with your actual brother. Mad. Yeah, but then I think we've discussed this before when like your brothers and siblings are not, not that close uh, for the most part, are they, generally? Well, maybe they were at this no, point. No, they've all got a claim. Maybe they were at this point. Like you, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it would be like you see like all these like you know, brothers on either side and they're just looking at each other and they're like, I can't kill you and then the other one's like, I can. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So this is where we get the first son, uh, the first monarch's son on the throne. Oh. So Edward, who became Edward the Martyr, took the throne as and he was Edgar's son. So this is the first time this happened. Uh some wanted Ethelred, Edward's youngest son, on the throne, but Edward was quickly installed instead. Upon visiting his brother, he was assassinated. Whether this was ordered by his brother or not is unknown, unknown, but he was widely mourned, and apparently his remains produced miracles. He was known as Edward the Martyr because he was just that. He died young, and people sort of martyred him. I find that so interesting that naming your son the king to come after you was such a like almost a controversial thing. Because, like... Mm. For the same reason that, like, we think about that in more modern senses, uh, and I say modern as in the last sort of two hundred years, where your son might be a complete incompetent idiot, and you're like, "Holy mm-hmm. shit, we're gonna inherit that." Whereas, like back then, it was like, "No, no, 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 we need someone strong who can actually lead us." And if your son can't do that, yep. like, we'll pick someone else. I find that such a mm-hmm. better way of I mean- doing it. Like, listen, if you're gonna pick a king, elect one. I mean, yeah, because you want the strongest bloke on the, in charge. But that does happen a little down the line where people that really shouldn't have got the throne get the throne and it all fucking hell breaks Yeah, that's loose. why monarchy, uh, well, sort of uh, hereditary monarchy is just ridiculous. Yeah. So then we get to Ethelred the Unready. Due to people thinking he took part in killing of his brother, when the Danes attacked, no one really gave a shit and there wasn't really much defence. So he was exiled by invading Danish king Swain Forkbeard. Awesome name. Yeah. It's probably Svein. Svein Fortbeard, we'll go with that. Who took control of England in 1013. This lasted all of a year because he died in 1014. And upon his death, Ethelred, the now sort of ready, returned and claimed his throne back. <laughs> but then he died in 1016. People need to stop dying because this episode was a ball ache to write. Oh, so, 1016. 1016. Steady. Oh, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting, getting there. there. We're getting there. 
that as I was writing it, the second we get to like William the Conqueror, I'm like, right, this is where people are gonna tune in. This is where we know. Yeah, I've always wanted to. Uh, it's a sort of a, a, a passion, uh, or a, what's the word? Like a, a dream. One passion day, project. a passion project to maybe one day, I would love to uh, produce and create a documentary about um, Essex history, like uh, like my my county's history, and not just like mm. recent history. I mean, ancient history, like the old kings of Essex before, um, before like the kings of England united england came around before athelstan where essex was a kingdom and we had kings and i'd love to do that and walk around it and i'd love to do that one day that's there's always been a passion project of mine maybe one i'm day. sure there's an audience for it i think there may be um yeah yeah um oh i just can't wait to get to william the conqueror we're nearly there hold your horses so Edmund II, or Edmund Ironside, took to the throne, and he was pretty good at holding back Danish invaders. However, there came a point where the Danes grew too strong under the leadership of... Right, there's two pronunciations for this. It's either Canute or Canut. I've always gone with Canute. I'm going to go with Canute as well. And he was Fort Beard's son. After much fighting, we see once again the country split as Edmund takes everything south of the Thames whilst Canute takes everything north. And then Edmund died, also in 1016. This happened within a year. And Canute claimed the country as a whole. And I'm not going to lie, Canute sounds really cool and definitely someone we should probably look at for a larger episode. He took over in 1016 and he gave Englishmen's estates to Danish followers and had some of those who fought against him executed, but then he sort of chilled out a bit, and England was actually really peaceful and prosperous. Um, there was beef with a bloke called Thorkell, who he exiled, and then he had to go to Denmark to sort out again, um, because Canute's brother died, and then Thorkell was, like, kicking up a first, and they had to go sort him out. And after that, there was a lot of peace and good trade. Canute sort of really brought peace and prosperity to the country, despite being a Danish invader. Mm. He, he actually sorted it out, and he died in 1035, Hmm, I wonder if he right. um because uh, there was a lot of uh Danish and uh Scandinavian kings that uh converted to Christianity but a lot of them just couldn't be bothered with it like so some mm. some there's like stories of kings who converted to Christianity but their sons didn't and so their sons later on then like kill their dads or when they take over from their dads uh go no 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 forget Christianity we're not having this bullshit we're going back to the old pagan ways that we're supposed to. And then that one dies. And then the other one who was Christian then comes in and goes, no, 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 no. We're going back to the the, the, the Christian ways. And everyone was just like, listen, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, whilst researching this, I did find out that nearly every monarch had some sort of religious uprising. It was Everything was based around the Pope and what the Pope had to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like for sure. You've got a relatively speaking new religion that is just tr- sweeping through the continent like a plague <laughs> and we it, get to that as well and it's trying to it's trying to assert itself in some way uh and then you've got all these people with pagan beliefs just sort of being pushed back and it's like oh. mm. the, yeah yeah listen man religious freedom help. believe what you want but also believe what you want be ready for me to argue it <laughs> oh and I'm, that's inevitable <laughs> So, Harold I, his son, took the reins uh, for all of five years, and during that five years, he killed Ethelred the Unready's son, and then he died in 1040. His brother, Hardy Canute, Hard Canute? Hard Canute. 
Harder Canute, thank you. Well, I really should have researched pronunciation. Already the king of Denmark took over England, um, and he was not very well liked. He slightly he was pissed that his brother got the throne before him, yeah. so he dug up his body and then threw it into a wetland. Oh, no. He taxed the shit out of people too, and then during a night of heavy drinking, he had a seizure and died a few days later in 1042. Brilliant. Drink in moderation, folks. <laughs> yeah, don't be like Harder Canute. <laughs> No, you drink yourself into an early grave. Yeah, and, and, and New Year's Eve, New Year's is coming up, so don't be like him. No, just know when to stop. His half brother Edward, who had become Edward the Confessor, came from Normandy. Here we go, the Normandy bells are ringing to take the throne, and this was the end of the Danish line and returned the country to the Saxons. He was known as the Confessor because he was a very religious man, and obviously you go to church and stuff to confess. Um, he did, he did a fair bit, but for the sake of time, I'll highlight the key point that he allegedly promised William of Normandy to be the next king, but then he changed his mind uh, that it was going to be his son, Harold, and Edward died in 1066. Hey. Here, here we are. We're here. We've arrived. We've got... Uh... Harold took over. Ha- and this is... This is I don't, if, you're, if you're not an English native, um, the Battle of Hastings is something that I think is drilled into every single school kid. Yeah, in the country, we we all learn about it. Um, Godwinson was his uh, son-in-law, wasn't he? Who's uh, Edward the Confessor? Oh, I, I put I've got here that it was his son. Maybe it is his son-in-law. There's I don't a know. there's a really good Dan Snow documentary. Dan Snow is a fantastic historian and documentary maker. Um, and mm. I highly recommend anyone check out Dan Snow's stuff. Yeah, he's very cool. It's a fascinating YouTube channel called History Hit. Um, but yeah, no, he does a really, really, really good documentary about uh, the year 1066 and everything that happens. And he's trying to like document from all three sides what's going on, like Harold Godwinson's, Williams, and uh, is it uh, who's her, is it Harold Hadrada? If that name rings a bell, I'm just researching. Um, because uh, Harold, I think Harold Hadrada is the uh, Norwegian king. He's the king of Norway, and he also comes to England when Edward dies, claiming that he also was promised after Edward died he would become the king of England. Yeah, he is son-in-law. I got that completely wrong. I think I was looking at the wrong Harold. But yeah, anyway. To be fair, it's always it's always slightly oversimplified in like many 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 accounts because like it's so old that like people just you know like it's easy to miss these things isn't it Mm, but yeah okay son-in-law wonderful he took over uh and during his uh edward's reign harold had promised william that he would defend the norman's claim to the throne alas he didn't and took the power for himself and thus 1066 or everyone's favorite battle the battle of hastings Harold famously was killed in that battle of 1066 and William the Conqueror ended the Saxon line and became the first Norman king of England. And he is the great-grandson of uh, Rollo, the famous Viking warrior. Everything's linked. It's all all linked. It's all very incestuous. Um, Being honest, William deserves an entire episode and it is one that one of us will 100% do in the future. So I'll, I'll keep this brief. Uh... William was pretty much the first king to build a shit ton of castles, including the Tower of London yeah. and my old place of work, Warwick Castle. Um, 
Um, during his reign, he invaded both Wales and Scotland. He created the Doomsday Book, which was a massive book assessing everyone's assets for taxation. Um, he spent a lot of his time in Normandy and left the ruling to his bishops, and he did so much more, and his early life's really interesting too. So expect an episode, but for now, um, I just wanted to sort of highlight the key facts, and in the, in the full-on episode, we can do the Battle of Hastings in a lot more depth. Um, but basically, this dude really shaped English history. Like, he... he is one of the most important figures of English oh, history. I, like, you, you could argue that this guy is where th- th- this guy sort of makes he he puts England on the map, really. Mm. Um, in terms of our history for us, anyway. Um, I, I I can't remember if we spoke about this in our J.R.R. Tolkien episode, which Look, was ep- episode two, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tower of London. And Colchester Castle in Essex, uh, supposedly, are uh, inspiration for the two towers in Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's the big white castle, and it, allegedly it was like it was said that you could see one castle from another from the top of one, like because oh. obviously they were the tallest thing, like especially the Tower of London. The Tower of London was the tallest thing around in England at the time. Mm. Um, I believe anyway. Um so yeah, apparently that they're 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 the um uh inspiration for the two towers in Tolkien's uh novels. Amazing. There you go. So, he died in ten eighty seven and on his death he left Normandy to his son Robert and England to his other son William Rufus, who would become William the Second. Some Normans in England wanted Robert as the sole ruler and they would rebel against William. However, William was pretty ruthless and put them all in their place. He subjugated Wales and killed Malcolm III of Scotland, and he had the Scottish kings as subordinates. Uh, He also wanted Normandy, and therefore he waged war on his brother. Robert was pretty weak and was a bit of a shit leader, so in the end he became a subordinate too. Mm. And in the year 1100, William was out hunting in the New Forest when when he was struck with an arrow and died. Signs point to this being an assassination ordered by his younger brother Henry, who quickly took the throne. So, Henry I, the first of many Henrys, Uh he married a Scottish princess, um, so he had the Scots on side. Robert fancied another go at claiming the throne from his youngest brother and decided to invade in 1101, but a settlement was agreed and Normandy was returned to Robert. However, as we mentioned, shit leader, so normally fell into chaos and the people wanted Henry. So he captured Robert and held him prisoner for the rest of his days. Henry had a son, William, who died in a shipwreck, and his daughter Matilda was sent off to marry Henry V of Germany. Henry of Germany died and Matilda was recalled and was made the heir to the throne. She married Geoffrey Plantagenet, whose name might ring a bell for you, or Geoffrey of Anjou, as people know him. And upon Henry's death, his nephew Stephen completely ignored Matilda and took the throne for himself in 1135. Okay. Stephen of... Got a sneaky right. little Plantagenet name in there. Yeah, the Plantagenets are about and they become a lot more prominent. So cool. I love that. I love hearing, you know, and like it's almost like, uh, uh, what, what do they call What do they call Foreshadowing. And you're like, oh, this mm. guy, this is, uh, oh, this is my friend Plantagenet. And you're like, oh, hi, Plantagenet. And you're like, yeah, no, he's just from a minor house right now. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got, <laughs> you got some shit coming, huh? <laughs> yeah. The Plantagenets, uh, um, spoiler alert, in, in terms of like War of the Roses and stuff, it's just, oh, honestly, it's a fucking minefield. But yeah. Can we also, so, just because we like to, um, uh, I, I know I do doing my episodes anyway, 
reference sort of what's going on around the world at this point america is what we know today like united states does not even exist like it's just native peoples of that region just sort of oh chilling, no we've still got what out. 400 years from this point until columbus yeah. lands like australia is just owned by the aborigines just milling around just doing what they want to yeah. do like colonies don't exist how mad is that like it's just the it's world that. is very much europe and like even at that point England and it's like not not as so much England but like you know Britain and all its peoples that have lived there have been about sort of milling around fighting and whatnot for like a thousand years and America as, yeah. a, as a country is nowhere near existing. Yeah, we've got an economy at this point and everything. Yeah, it's crazy. So when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Stephen of Blue or Blois, Blois, B-L-O-I-S, Blois. I would have said French. Blauf. Yeah, I, I, I googled the pronunciation of this one, and apparently it's like Blois. Blois, is it French? Blois, yeah. It's mad how intertwined our, our history is with, thren- with French. Oh, mate, every fucking, honestly. Oh, we get onto the Hundred Years' War in a bit, and that's... Oh. So, he was the only ruler of that name and came to the throne because no one wanted a woman leading them. Brilliant. Which, obviously, everyone was very sexist during that time. You'll find uh, in this um, episode, unfortunately, ladies, there are no female monarchs. Uh, it was a very male-dominated role. Yeah, although, although uh, I watched, there's a really, uh, is it really good? I mean, it's fairly good. Uh, there's a relatively new documentary about the Hundred Years' War on Sky. Um, mm. That It's all dramatised and whatnot, but it... it really wants to highlight how powerful um henry the eighth's grandmother margaret was um mm. and all the kind of uh little machinations she had behind closed doors oh, yeah. and how many strings she pulled to get her son the king uh and yeah all this stuff and it's like yeah man some these women are cunning like women in this time yeah sure they're not allowed to have power but these women are cunning and i'm telling you now like most of these kings they're like probably their top advisor is either their boyfriend or then their wife. Yeah, so we do meet many strong women in this episode, like Matilda, who is about to do something crazy in a minute. Um, but they all knew that people would want a king as opposed to a queen. So the 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 women were usually the kingmakers, as we've discussed in the previous yeah. episodes, and like wives and things. So. Matilda invaded to reclaim her land, but was eventually thwarted. Stephen wanted his son Eustace to take the throne, but he died. So he lost all hope and made Henry of Anjou, Matilda's son, the next in line. Stephen died in 1154. 
Henry II, the first king under the Plantagenet name, uh, he did a fair bit, and he was close friends with Thomas Becket, who was Chancellor and later the Archbishop of Canterbury. When Becket resigned from being Chancellor, a feud broke out amongst the two, as Henry wanted control over the church, which was a fucking running thing for Henry's. Um, Becket fled to France, and upon returning six years later, he was murdered in the halls of Canterbury, yeah. and thus began a pilgrimage to Canterbury for many people. Uh, that's a big story as well. Henry shook up the court systems and brought in uh, like a sort of jury, not juries as we know them now, but the, the original juries. Um, he did a lot, uh, but a lot of it is very heavy and not for right now. He died in 1189 and was succeeded by his son, Richard I, who became Richard Lionheart. Uh, yeah, apparently that dude like never came to England. I think he came to England like three times. Never yeah, he, couldn't he, speak he, uh, English, never. nothing. Uh, since... William the Conqueror, all of these monarchs don't speak English. They speak French, right? Probably, yeah. And some, none of them speak English. And like, or some form of R- French. Richard I was just too busy killing uh, Middle Eastern people. Yeah, so Richard wanted war uh, in Jerusalem, the Holy Land, and this has become known as the Crusades. Uh, he didn't really care for England that much, and he sold a lot of stuff to fund his war effort. So this is around the time when Robin Hood is set, for context. Obviously, people were taxed heavily to fund the war in Jerusalem. No. Um, he really? Nev- yeah, yeah. Oh, my. I can't believe it's like that far back. I f- I, of course, yeah, Robin Hood was part of the Crusades. He was on Crusade. Oh, I the first. That's amazing. Yeah, it was like if you know the you know the animated Robin Hood, the one we all love. At the end, Richard Lionheart comes back and he's this big, like, amazing. Wow, look at amazing. Like, he wasn't. That's just not the case at all. He comes back and saves the day, but it's just really absolute did. bollocks. He sounds entitled. Oh yeah, he, he he didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit about England. He just wanted Jerusalem. Um, but uh, unfortunately for him, he never took Jerusalem. And this also, he also whilst over there caused a lot of issues with leaders of France and Germany. Um, he made a deal with Saladin, the Muslim Sultan, that Richard could keep Accra, a place that he took in the Middle East, um, and also that Christian worshippers could pilgrimage to the Holy Lands, obviously, because Jesus and all that. Richard was captured on his journey home, but struck up a deal with the Holy Roman Emperor to let him go free for 150,000 marks, which was a mm. fuck ton of money. Richard was crowned again in London for some reason and soon went off to wage war in Normandy, from which he never returned. He died in 1199. So, yeah, he was the King of England that was basically yeah. never in England. Yeah. Absent parent. He just bankrupted the country for mm. basically his own no reason. personal gain, eh? Yeah. And his younger brother, John, took the throne. If you are familiar with Robin Hood, John obviously is the, the little bitch of a prince, <laughs> Prince John. Um, John went to war with France, which uh, unfortunately he lost. And the most important thing John did was something pretty fucking important. He signed the Magna Carta. Right, because I, I don't know so, much about the Magna Carta, but I know that people gash all over it, and I don't understand why. I'm about to tell you what it is in a sentence. The Magna Carta is a document which basically states that the king and his government is not above the law. Um, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of like different segments, and we still follow some of it today. Like The right to a fair trial is part of the Magna Carta. So is it like uh, our version of the American Constitution? As... A country we don't have a constitution or at least we don't have a written constitution it's just sort of like a unanimously agreed one so is it so it it basically says that like kings can be held accountable 
for their actions. Yeah, everyone's accountable. That's insane. That's, that's massive. That's what the Magna Carta was. That's actually massive. Can you imagine? I, I, listen, if I was a king, I'd be shitting myself if I'd seen that that had been done over in England. Or even if I was to follow as a king from, like, John, to be like, no, listen, I'm ordained by God. Like, mm. you, listen, you guys can't tuck in touch me. I God made me your king. You can't tell me what to do. So whatever I say is the equivalent of God doing it himself. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why maybe monarchs would probably be a bit scared about the Magna Carta. Yeah, but then a lot it doesn't seem to stop a lot of them. They yeah. still carried on doing whatever the fuck they wanted, but it, it basically, all like, if you want to, you can go and Google the Magna Carta. Like as I said, some of it is still in place today, like right to fair trial and stuff. There's a lot of feudalism stuff in there, as like rights to land and things like that that we don't follow anymore. Yeah, I look. It but up. It, it, it was basically just like a list of laws, essentially. People were held accountable for actions and things, which is really important. And I, th- I believe you can go and see it. It's somewhere you can go and see the Magna Carta. That's cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find more. I'm gonna do loads of research tonight. Wonderful. Um, John and the church did not see eye to eye, and there was a lot of rebellions against him, which incited a civil war. The French invaded, and John carried on waging war until the day he died, and he was the first monarch since the Norman invasion to speak English. Oh, really? He died in 1216, and was succeeded by his son, Henry III. Henry III was a pretty weak king. He was arrogant, but did nothing to back it up. Uh, and as is the custom of the time, England had beef with France, and part of England was in French hands. Henry was nine when he took the throne, and therefore had people rule for him. Um, eventually, the French barons were ousted, and Henry took complete control in 1234. He spent his life arguing with barons and the Pope, eventually so much so that a baron named Montford rebelled. He captured Henry and his son Edward. Uh, Montford ruled for a little bit under Henry's name before Edward killed him in the Battle of Eversham. After this, Henry allowed Edward to take charge of the government, and upon his death in 1272, Edward became Edward I, despite being the third Edward. (laughs) Yeah, man. Because the others were named instead of numbered. Yeah. So, Edward is another one of these monarchs who deserves a full episode, and we'll probably get one, maybe. We'll see what the reception of this is. Uh, He did a lot of parliamentary stuff that's a bit heavy for this short snippet, but most notably, he was the king William Wallace was fighting against. So this is where we are. Uh, Go and check out our William Wallace episode. right, now you get it, the Longshanks. Yeah, yeah, the Edward Longshanks. Edward sought to conquer Scotland, and for a while things were going pretty well, until the Scots rebelled with William Wallace as a key figure. As I said, um, we cover the battles in a lot more detail in the William Wallace episode, so if you are interested, go check it out. It's fascinating, but that's from the Scottish point of view. Mm. Uh, The Scots successfully expelled the English, but Edward soon reclaimed it, and after capturing and killing Wallace and sending his limbs off to different corners of the kingdom, spoiler alert, (laughs) Robert the Bruce roused the Scots once more and declared that he was the King of Scots. On the way to reconquer Scotland, Edward passed away, and the crown passed to his son, Edward II, in 1307. Right. Edward II, he was a weak king, or is seen as a weak king. He was heavily favoured. Uh, he heavily favoured one of his barons, Pierce Gaveston, and obviously the whole story is that they were lovers. Oh, it, um, every every monarch was gay. All of them were, if not gay, they, bi. Yeah. They all had boyfriends. They all did what they wanted, and they all sitting there going. Oh. I think, 
Edward II is, I think, the most famous of these. I've actually been in the play of Edward II. I played Lancaster, who was the guy that wanted him dead. Oh, I see. Yeah, wow. so that was a uh, that was fun for me. Yeah, they've, they've um, always got like their, f- you know, whenever you see in, like, if you ever watch a documentary, history documentary about old medieval kings, or whatever, if ever you hear where they defended a what they call a favorite, yeah, they were sleeping with him. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I think it's just people accusing each other, isn't it? But other barons obviously were pissed off that this uh, Pierce Gaveston was getting favoured. Most notably, Thomas of Lancaster. Edward was forced to banish Gaveston from the land under pressure of the barons. However, Gaveston soon returned, but on returning, he was captured and executed. During this time, uh, Edward lost the Battle of Bannockburn to Robert the Bruce and therefore lost Scotland, and Lancaster eventually was executed. However, Edward's wife, Isabella, saw him as weak and colluded with one of his rivals, Roger Mortimer. Uh, Together, they invaded England and captured Edward. He was imprisoned. Some historians believe he survived up until 1330, but the play by Marlowe has him being killed with a red-hot poker stuck up the arse, and that was in 1327. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we know a lot... That, that's the famous story. We know a lot of these characters now, not necessarily from our history books, but from plays. Yeah, this is where this is the time of year where like Shakespeare and Christopher Marlowe and all that, they start getting involved and writing, <laughs> writing plays about it, because it's fascinating, to be fair. Mm. Um... Isabella and Mortimer gave the crown to Edward's son, also called Edward, who became Edward III in 1327. He was only 14 at the time, so Isabella and Mortimer ruled under his name. Edward was forced to sign the Treaty of Northampton, which made Scotland an independent realm. Uh, And he was apparently really pissed off about this. Hmm. Edward would soon avenge his father, however, by sneaking into a castle in Nottingham, capturing Roger Mortimer and had him executed. He couldn't, however, bring himself to kill his mother, but her power was... At an end at this point. And now we reach the Hundred Years' War, which honestly needs its own series and probably go and watch a documentary on it because they'll do it a lot better than I'm about to do it, but I'll try and break it down as quickly as possible. England and France beefing as always. Edward tried invading twice but kept bankrupting himself. He declared himself King of France in 1340, a title which every English king would claim until 1801. Edward destroyed the French navy, but soon a truce was signed, and during the two years of peace, he created the Order of the Garter, basically a knighthood. He invaded again in 1346, and actually went pretty well. He took Calais, but again signed another truce. He went back to England in 1347, where he rejected the offer to become Holy Roman Emperor, which, what a title, but he said no. The Black Death also occurred at this time, which just didn't help. In 1355, he was back in France invading again. His son, also Edward, captured the French king, John II, and forced him to sign over a lot of the land. However, the French people weren't very happy, and when he tried to parade himself around, they didn't really like it, and even though he was quite forceful about it. The Treaty of Calais was signed by both kings, where Edward renounced the French crown in return for rich areas of southwestern France. Yeah, and then the Black Death kept returning, and both countries were pretty fucked up. Um, King Charles V of France went against the Treaty of Calais, and Edward claimed himself King of France once more. Unsuccessful invasions once more led to another truce, which lasted until his death in 1377. If you followed any of that, fucking kudos to you. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it, man? Like, There's a reason why it's called a Hundred Years' War. Everything's just so political. It's... Oh. So much happens, and I'm trying to like pick out the key facts, but everything needs context. Everyone gives each other context. 
which is really annoying. Yeah. And as well, didn't the Hundred Years War last for like 116 years? Yeah, it wasn't 100 years. I can't I can't remember the exact amount, but it wasn't 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just historians like, ah, oh, just round it up, round it up, round it down. It's There's just a lot going on. And wait until we get to the War of the Roses, like, honestly. Oh, uh, yeah, but you've not got 100 years worth of uh, history to condense in that moment, at least. No, but the issue with the Wars of the Roses is the amount of times the power changes hands and who's fighting against who. That is true, because there's a lot of like, oh, I fought for him, but now I've changed, now I fight for you, and it's like, oh, Honestly, it. it's just, it's ridiculous. I've already got the Wars of the Roses bit written, but I haven't got the bit before it written, so I can't, unfortunately, say it this episode, otherwise it would be out of order, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. It's the most complicated part of English history, and mm. fuck me, it it really is. So, we're nearly done. We're nearly finished with this episode. We're 40 minutes in. I thought, this is the longest episode I've ever written, but we somehow blasted through, so well done, team. <laughs> Richard II took the throne. He was the grandson of Edward III, as Edward's son died before his father. Oh, uh, Richard II is one of my favourite monarchs. Oh, really? Because the next sentence is, he wasn't very well liked. No, um, but I have some uh, sympathy and affinity with him. Uh, he's Richard II is one of my favourite Shakespeare plays. Um, right, okay. And uh, and I've played him in uh, in, in Richard II, the Shakespeare play. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and one of my favourite ever performances of a Shakespeare play is Ben Whishaw as Richard II in the BBC Oh, fuck, adaptation. that would have been amazing. It's, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. Nearly made me cry. Um, and also, I just think he's so under... Oh, what's the word? Like the, the way I sort of just... When I was pre- prepping myself to play the part, um, bear in mind, he is a villain. We know that. But imagine being 10 years old and your dad and your grandfather have died and you're now told at the age of 10, you are king and no one can say no to you. Imagine what that would do to you as as a 10-year-old. Because I'm telling you now, when I was 10, if someone could never say no to me, I would be an absolute twat by the age of 18. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Do you know what I mean? I would 100% be in right knobhead. And by 30, I'd be even worse. And so like when he's like... He takes away. Sorry for if I'm ruining your sort of scripted piece here. No, but no, like, carry by on, the dude. age of like thirty, when he's taken away his cousin's land and uh, banished his uncle, and when his cousin comes back and he's like, "Well, I kind of want my land back. It's mine by rights." And he's like, "But I'm the king." And he's like, "Yeah, no, no, but it's my land. You can't have it." And he's like, "No one's ever really said no to me." And like there's a bit towards the end when like he's about to die and he's saying how like he has no friends and he's like he has no one really no one close to him at all because that's just the way he's been living i'm just like imagine being 30 years old but still having the mentality of like a 12 year old like and that's Mm. how i see him um especially dealing with the peasants revolt by the age of 14 like come on man like this kid has so much responsibility thrust upon him uh, so and like he had pet monkeys and he, th- th- honestly just one of the coolest monarchs in my opinion I I, I yeah he's one of my favourites <laughs> uh, I saw David Tennant as Richard II at the RSC on, on my 18th birthday I think I yeah I saw it too I'll be honest with you I was not a fan I would recommend you go see the Ben Whishaw version of on the BBC mm. adaptation and then have an opinion on on David Tennant's I didn't like the long hair I'll be honest with you I really didn't like oh, the long really? hair 
no i thought it looked really weird i saw it at the rsc did you see it there as well yeah in uh stratford yeah 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 beautiful though uh, anyway god oh, yeah, i'm nerding the- out big time here the issue with Richard II as a play is it's fucking long. And because Richard II is a very political king, the play can be quite heavy. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's totally, yeah. Um, My go-to, obviously, when I, when I was an actor, I'm retired now. My go-to <laughs> monologue for auditions was a Richard II monologue for classical. Uh, was it Let's Talk of Graves of Epitaphs and whatnot? No, it was the one where he lands back on England and he's talking about like it being his land. It's like, needs must I like it well, I weep for joy to stand upon my kingdom once again. Oh, Dear yeah. earth, I do salute thee with my hands and the rebels wound thee with their horses' hooves. And then it, I forget the rest. <laughs> it's nice a, it's a beautiful speech. It's just about telling the stones and plants and stuff to turn on his enemies. It's a beautiful, beautiful speech. Yeah, exactly. It's a good play and that's why he's the best monarch. I'll somewhat disagree with you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he wasn't very well liked. He attempted to tax people heavily because of the Hundred Years' War, and obviously this caused the peasants' revolt. Um, the peasants are revolting. So, uh, his reign was extremely political and, again, heavy. Key points that Ryan has alluded to and probably said it a lot better than I will... Um, Lancaster was extremely wealthy, both in terms of money and land, and a quarrel between Henry Bolingbroke and Thomas Mowbray ensued about destroying the Lancaster inheritance. Um, Bolingbroke was Lancaster's son and also uh, Richard's cousin. A trial by combat was ordered by Richard, um, but before it took place, changed his mind and just decided to exile both men and claim the inheritance for himself. Bolingbroke returned and then won support of many earls and higher-ups. Eventually, he captured Richard and had him imprisoned. Henry would become Henry the Fourth, and Richard was executed. Mm. Yeah. Is sort of the key points. Yeah, it's it's, it's thought whether it's, he was like executed or just sort of starved in a cell. Yeah, he was just left to rot. But I'm really looking forward to Christmas dinner because I told my brother I'm doing this episode, and my brother's a historian who literally like the English monarchy is sort of his area of expertise. So mm. I know he's going to listen to this and just berate me, and I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he's going to be like, James, you know you got this bit wrong. <laughs> I've gotten most of it. I can cite my fucking sources if he wants them. Brilliant. <laughs> I can't wait for that Christmas dinner. I want to hear all about it. Yeah, but this is where we're going to leave it for today. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about Henry the Fourth, um, and then Henry the Fifth, who personally is my favourite king. And then we get on towards the Roses. Wow. And then after that... After the Wars of the Roses, it's fucking plain sailing because it's just Tudors, Stuarts, all of that. It's easy, 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 and people live longer. Oh, like, we get to fucking Queen Liz at the minute. She's been on the throne for 7,000 years, so it's not much to write about. Well, yeah, next episode, we start hitting dynasties. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. Covered, what, about 800 years of English history? Uh, we are in... When are we? I think we're in the 1400s now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I think we're in the late 1300s, early 1400s. I forgot to write the, war f- the year for some reason. But yeah, um, so we've gone from nine. Oh no, we're what, four or five hundred years in? Wow. <laughs> how, how, someone will go, how, how the fuck has James managed to condense like four, four or five hundred years of history into like uh, 50 minutes? And you're like, he's done it. He's done it. He, he did it. My intention was to do the entirety of it from fucking Athelstan to Queen Liz in an yeah. hour. Yeah, and obviously we can't go into Queen Liz too much anyway because we've got an episode on her. 
We um, do, and on, she hasn't really fucking done anything, so. Nah, she's done nothing. All she's done was learn how to fix tanks, man, and she has a driver's yeah. license. In fact, she doesn't even have a driver's license. She's the only person in the UK who's not allowed one. Yeah, she, well, it's her land, isn't it? It's just she can do whatever the fuck she wants whenever she wants. How funny is that? Oh, to have power. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the power. Someone get out the Magna Carta again. She's doing it. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly why it was written. <laughs> For... <laughs> Uh, Liz, you're not allowed to drive anymore. I'll do what I like. Do I have to get the Magna Carta out again? Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for bearing with me on what uh, turned out to be an extremely, extraordinarily heavy episode for no reason whatsoever. The next episode on Boxing Day is about... In fact, I'll let Ryan describe it. Ryan, go crazy. Okay, um, so I uh, promised you guys dark again. It's my turn to go dark. Um and it's it's a dark Christmas one. Now, I thought, what better than to talk about the most famous murder mystery case in American history, and that is the case of John Bonet Ramsey. Um, many of you who are true crime fans, uh, who really seem to enjoy our true crime episodes, um, will already know a lot about this. So if you do, it's just maybe a case to hear our take on it. Uh, but for those obviously that don't know, uh, do check in. Uh, it's a fascinating case um, that uh, yeah, I'm sure once you hear us talk about it, you'll get into like a, a YouTube rabbit hole of just content. And you'll just be looking it up for the rest of your Christmas. That's how you'll spend New Year's, just sat so, in a dark room on YouTube whilst listening to fireworks mm, happen outside. Before I watched the documentaries on it uh, last night, I didn't realise her name was John Bennett. I thought it was a man called John Bennett and Ryan was just spelling it wrong. <laughs> um, so, no, so that uh, was a, that was a wake up call for me yesterday. Yeah, we'll talk about her name uh, when we when we record it in a minute. Um, but yeah, no, join us. That's coming out on Boxing Day for sure, definite. That will be out Boxing Day. So um, if you're fed up with your family by Boxing Day already, uh, tune in uh, and listen to us talk about that. Um, yeah, uh, I hope everyone Wonderful. enjoys their Christmas. Um, yeah, stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. I hope you get everything that you asked for. I hope Santa was kind to you. Uh, if you got coal, it's probably for a reason. Uh, have a little sit down, think about why you got that coal and be better. Be better. Um, make sure you tune in for Boxing Day where we talk about John Bonnet Ramsey. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us if you'd like to. You can donate to the show if you'd like to give us a Christmas bonus. Um uh, for all the hard work we've put in this year uh, you can do so on our Kofi page and um, yeah if you'd also like to get something more for your money uh, you can always check out the merch store where you can uh, collect really awesome t-shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, mugs if you'd like to keep one at work so you can show off to everyone oh I listen to podcasts I've come to the conclusion that um, when people say oh I listen to podcasts it's the equivalent now of people when they talk about their gap year like people that talk about podcasting seem to be so entitled. Yeah, you know, oh, you know, I listen to podcasts, and it's like, why don't you just listen to music? It's like, no, oh, I listen to podcasts. It's like, okay. Well, right. I mean, it's just better, isn't it? It's like listening to music, but you get information. Oh, it's so much better. I, I can't stand like those people at work that just like listen to music all day, and I'm like, how can you do that? You you don't learn anything. You don't get anything from it. The only thing you learn is the lyrics, and it's like that's it's no just, good to me. It's TV for your ears. It's TV for that's your ears. Wonderful. Oh. That sounds fantastic. That should be how we... Oh, it's TV for your ears. Anyway, 
listen to this podcast and show off to everyone that you like listening to it. Join us next episode. We'll be talking about John Bonnet Ramsey. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you then. Bye bye. Ta-ra. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.